0: This is Launch Control, where we just enjoy our own things right. and don't share with each we other. We don't
1: share. My parents didn't teach me that. Hey,
0: I'm Steve. And I'm Lance. We're curious car guys. Welcome to Launch Control. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Steve. I'm here with Lance. What is happening? And we're here talking about car stuff. Welcome to Launch Control, new listeners, and welcome back to our loyal, uh, regular listener. What, you know who you listener. are. <laughs>
1: One regular listener. Yeah, we really appreciate so the love, mom. Thanks for hanging with us.
0: So, um, yeah, what's up, man? man? I feel like it's been a while. You did a, you did an episode without me. I did. Not, not your fault. Not, yeah, my fault. Not yours. Uh, no, not, was, no grudges held.
1: Oh man, I wish you were there. It would have been. And you guys will listen to it. We we talked to Bailey. They already high listened to it.
0: Go back and listen to it. It was little, it was two episodes ago. Oh,
1: that's true. You guys are gonna he- yeah. So you will have already listened to it. Look, if you haven't heard it, then you're like not one of our one yeah. veteran listener people. So yeah, check it out. You guys will have heard about it. But if you haven't listened to it, listen to it. Um, we talked to Bailey's High Performance, who did some really neat stuff with uh, FCA products and GM products. And you
0: got to ride in some ridiculously fast vehicles. No, sorry. You got to drive some ridiculously fast vehicles. Yeah,
1: so I guess since you're listening to this after listening to that podcast, that that car that was the first car that i drove and it wasn't even the car it was the suv it was a srt grand cherokee that was the first car that was faster than my reflexes i i literally could not shift that car as quickly as it needed to be shifted in an automatic yeah and that was a new one for me i was like okay so you get out of first gear and you're like Oh, I should shit. This is quick. I should. Sh- oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: why whenever I'm doing the red light races in the GTR, I just leave it in auto. Automatic. Yeah. You can't work it. First is over before you even can like Think. consciously realize that it's time for an upshift. It yeah. was crazy. Yeah.
1: I loved it. Yeah. I, I, that's what, it, that's exactly what I was thinking of when I was in it was This is what Steve feels like,
0: geez. So yeah, we need to do that. We need to get you behind the wheel of the third. I can't believe we haven't actually done that Well, I haven't driven any of your M3s or your M3. So yeah. So yeah. No. This is launch control where we just enjoy our own things and don't share with each other. We don't share. My parents (laughs) didn't
1: teach me that. Um, Yeah, so it's really just been a matter of time. Like even when we go um, on location to record, I guess we just never, I think the last time we did it, your son was with us. Yeah. So Azle, I just didn't That was even the Azel Cars and Coffee episode. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, we didn't. We're so busy like, yeah, recording and worrying about In what we're gonna mode. say and talk about and like taking care of our listeners that we don't I'd, take care of each other. I did a, it's a travesty. <laughs> this is how relationships die. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, but you know, I appreciate you, right? <laughs> okay. I value oh, you. thanks. Um, so I did notice how quickly you pulled away from me on the highway. Um in the RX-7, I in
0: noticed RX- how quickly that Camry kept up with you on the highway. Oh, shots fired! <laughs> well, I mean, listen, no, no, no. But, it,
1: I, but I look cool. No,
0: no. there's nothing. There is nothing prettier than an FDR. No, no,
1: I'm I'm totally with you, dude. Like I've come to a place in my life where I'm like, okay, these cars that I buy, I've just got to get used to the fact that Camrys and Accords are going to keep up with me because. That's just the world we live in. Now. But yeah,
0: and that's not what cars were like. Sports cars were not about the the brochure numbers of like raw horsepower and yeah. speed like they are today. It's just, there's nothing left to do in handling. Handling's progressed so far on these modern sports cars that it's really just like a physics game. Nobody, you can, nobody's going to drive it to its potential anyway, but everybody can mash that throttle and everybody can brag about their... Seven hundred horsepower or whatever they've got these days.
1: Yeah, and for that half second or one point five seconds that you can mash it down before you're in triple digits, right? It's a blast. I mean, I it's crazy. It, it was just a crazy experience, and um you know, I, I got to drive the uh not just the SRT but a ZL1, and that one was actually tuned for um, road racing. so oh, nice! That one you can go straight line and mash it to the to the floor your traction control was struggling to keep up because it was a zl1 and it was rear wheel drive instead of all wheel drive but um the car was so put together you never felt like it was getting away from you and i think that's what surprised me about the jeep was you mash the gas if you're in manual mode that car not that it gets away from you in terms of traction it gets away from you in terms of timing like you're like Oh, major respect to drag yeah, racers. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I think two minutes ahead, you know.
0: Speaking of major respect for drag racers, I binge watched the second season of Fastest Car on Netflix. Have oh, you watched yeah. it yet?
1: Is that the one where they have almost like the American Ninja Warrior course for drivers? No, that's
0: Hyperdrive. That's Hyperdrive. Okay, what, so what is outside, by the way? I hear engine noises.
1: It sounds import. That That's not. It did, an but there's
0: thing. not. You didn't drive your arc 7 today did you because if you did it's gone i just heard it drive away
1: (laughs) no i brought the m3 today and then i swapped it out with a friend of mine so i'm in a 1994 acura integra
0: ls stock exhaust
1: it's like stock everything i mean it's like 14 inch hubcaps nice yeah yeah but that car
0: the the integra type r (laughs) <laughs> uh, th- that just went on bring a trailer for eighty thousand yeah. dollars would indicate that thing probably has a little bit of value to it.
1: Yeah, once I buff it out, I think I can get at least like sixty if that one goes for sixty thousand.
0: Yeah, no. But did you see that the last ITR that went on bring a trailer was eight, like was, eighty or eighty five k?
1: I sent that to all of my friends that are into cars because I was like, well, can we talk about this for because.
0: <laughs> What's happening?
1: Yeah, what just happened? I mean, we just saw an Integra, and I granted it's a Type R. I get it, but that's bigger than NSX money. And you're like, yeah. well,
0: it had crazy low miles, like sixty five hundred miles. Yeah, right?
1: it was really low miles. Yeah, but I, it, does it matter? I mean,
0: yeah, for a car like that, I mean, okay, so clearly it does matter because it sold well, for it sold. yeah. yeah. I mean, so the mar- the market determined that it matters. Like, it's a museum car, really. For somebody who wants to collect d- it and say, like, this is the this is the era of the Fast and the Furious, when yeah. Hondas when Hondas were king. And um, speaking of Hondas being king, if we can get back to Fastest Car, you um, yeah. need to watch season two of Fastest Car. Okay, it was so good. Um, it's shot documentary style. And so the whole premise is it's um, built versus bought. Really, mm-hmm. at the crux of it, that's the premise. So I
1: remember the first season they yeah. had like a guy with an Aventador. So they had like yes. re- regular exotics racing yeah. home-built cars. Exactly.
0: Basically. So so it's a it's kind of not a not a uh, bracket, but they do the the um, semifinals are the regular six episodes. So um, each episode you've got a one supercar bone stock. Lots of McLarens this season, lots of 720 S's. Um So you've got the, the the supercar versus the built cars. And these are cars that range from a car, a Mustang yeah. that somebody probably has like $80,000 in versus a guy whose car probably has $6,000 in it, has like a 300 shot of NOS and and a cam and like <laughs> some work done and some good tires and he just holds on for yeah. dear life. Yeah. And so it was that kind of range of cars and- the equivalent range of stories that go, and this is the part Mm. that I love because it's shot documentary style, so you've got these characters being developed throughout the whole season. And so in the final episode, it's the winner, it's a six wide drag race, and it's the winners of the first six seasons. Or sorry, Um, first six six episodes. Yeah. Okay. So the winner from episode one goes to the final. Winner from episode two, et cetera. Got it. And so you ended up with a really interesting group of people, and I'm not gonna spoil it, but I am not ashamed to admit I might have almost cried. Yeah, yeah, at the very end because okay, just how it all played season, out.
1: Okay, the first season, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah this could I kind of felt the
0: same whatever. way. I was so glad I watched the second season. Okay, um, it there's a lot of really cool sub stories going on with the nice. individuals, and um, some stuff happens, and uh, it's just it's worth watching. So definitely binge watch it if you guys have uh, a rainy weekend coming up, or if anybody's looking for something to watch, it's only seven episodes, It's not yeah. a big commitment. You could kill it in a week or two weeks and uh, you'll be glad you did.
1: I, I like that Netflix is doing that between the fastest car and then the hyperdrive. Is that what we said? Yeah. And there's
0: another one. I think it's called something like, I haven't tried it yet, but it's like Rust Valley Restorers or something. They're oh. really going deep on, uh, not deep, but they're, they're, they've, realize that there's um, a whole bunch of people who will spend time watching car-related content. And because of the algorithms and it knows me, Netflix has learned me over the years. It's been pushing the car content at me, so. Yeah, um, that's what YouTube does for me. Like when I pull it up for,
1: so when my wife pulls up our YouTube On the uh, on the TV, it's set to my username, and she's like, oh, "This is nothing Not, I want to watch." Yeah,
0: nothing. YouTube is <laughs> YouTube's yeah. nonsense. There's nothing on there. Yeah. Um, speaking of YouTube, one of the supercar owners is—I uh, don't know if you are familiar with Vehicle Virgins. Yeah. Parker Nirenstein. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. he's one of the uh, contestants. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. So it looks okay. like they wh- the producers uh, appear to have gone to YouTube to find people mm. for fastest car, and so um, there's he's the he was the most um, obvious youtube celebrity like he has a supercar he has several actually right. because of his youtube channel and right. how much money he makes but there were a couple other guys who mentioned a, their youtube channel not that they're like professional full time mm-hmm. but they have youtube channels that probably have a little bit of gravitas to them and i'm yeah. guessing that's where the producers recruited a lot of these folks from
1: so we're in the wrong industry basically yeah why like, thanks for
0: listening to our podcast <laughs>
1: We're announcing today that we're moving the whole thing just to YouTube.
0: We will. We need to. I mean, that's a thing we should be doing, right? And there's no reason not to, but we will. Um, Yeah. Bigger plans for for late 2019 and 2020, both with uh, how we're doing things, podcast recording, as well as just for launch control in general. So we've got some ideas. Guys, hang on. It's going to be, it's going to get big. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) It's going to get huge. Huge. Okay. So back to our, what we actually planned on talking about. You you brought up this idea that there's some Ford Super Duty something, and you were asking me about this uh, that can tow the world. Those were your term. That was your phrase. Pretty
1: much. So I was reading this article. I guess there's a new F nine fifty or whatever it is that comes out. The Super Duty truck that came out.
0: Well, you joke with the F nine fifty, but it does. As far as my last count, it goes up to F six fifty.
1: Oh, there is a six fifty. Yeah. Oh, I just thought it was like four.
0: No, there's an F650. You need to look it up. It's There's one that I see on my morning commute sometimes. I'm going to see if I can find it. It's really not just an AutoZone badge that he put on? No, dude. It's um, it's one of those vehicles that you think that the driver must be compensating for something. Uh,
1: oh, my God. There is a 650. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is kind of like the Transformer, like the equivalent of the Kodiak, like the big dog. Yeah, it's okay. it's
0: like a... A 18-wheeler, yeah. cat like it, the. It doesn't the look like rig.
1: an F-150, but it's, it's it, still a uh, consumer-grade car or truck.
0: Barely, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a guy who has one. It tows
1: the line. See what I did there? It toes the line.
0: There's a guy um, who lives near me that has a lifted one. I don't know why you would lift <laughs> an F-650 because you it's already a transformer. need. Yeah, you already need an elevator to get in it, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so i just went to tick down to the 550 and that's a commercial grade flatbed yep okay so then let's look at the 450 i think this is a 350 that that i read about
0: you can probably get that 550 with a regular box on the back
1: yeah i've seen the older ones of that shape i know at least with the gm products you can yeah um which it looked kind of weird once you do that but yeah, it must. Maybe this is a four fifty.
0: Yeah, here's the four fifty. Twenty twenty Ford F four fifty. It it looks like a full size pickup. It yeah. doesn't look like something commercial it's or
1: it's the real deal. So the one that's coming out, I think it's next year. Yep. Towing capacity of thirty seven thousand pounds, and uh, I think that they called it a payload capacity of almost eight thousand pounds.
0: Okay. Right? Okay. So that's I'm not, a big boy. That's that's serious business.
1: Yeah, I'm not a trucker. I don't know too much about trucks. My interest in trucks is like looking at people that have them and the and the raptor. That's pretty much all I'm interested okay. in. Okay. Yeah. But thirty seven thousand pounds seems like a lot. A lot.
0: Yeah. For a point of context, I think a, a Jeep Wrangler, I don't know if they give a towing package that raises the towing capacity, but a Jeep Wrangler is rated at around thirty five hundred pounds towing capacity. <laughs> so um that that's a point of context. Here's a second data point for you. My Toyota Tacoma, which does have what they call the towing package, which I'm pretty sure they sold almost no tacomas without the towing package, but it has about a sixty five sixty eight hundred pound towing co- towing capacity.
1: Third data point, my rx seven takes about two carry on pieces <laughs> in the trunk. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, I mean, when you are towing though, you, you realize pretty quickly that um, the numbers are meaningful and that what doesn't sound like a lot of weight can drive, depending on the vehicle you're in, it can drive like a lot of weight.
1: Okay, so that was kind of the deal because when I read the article, I was like, who needs 37,000 pounds worth of towing capacity because in my mind, I've just got like the MR2 and the Miata and all this stuff in my mind. I'm like, oh, these are like 3,000 pound cars. Are you really gonna tow 12 of them? You know, like, right. It, and if you are, it probably goes on a trailer. I'm, okay, so I'm thinking like commercial grade, like if I'm a auto transporter with a full size trailer in the back, maybe now I'm starting to hit it, but um, usually what I'm seeing with those is like those F650s, not the F3 or f Yeah, you, so,
0: it's the super dually, it, it's the dually super duty like Rams and Fords that you see, um, driving those gooseneck trailers. Mm-hmm. The gooseneck is the kind that it hooks into the bed to right. a ball that's in the center of the bed versus right. to like, a. have seen those bumper before. mounted or under the bumper hitch.
1: It's like a, it's like a, the kind of trailer you'd put about five or six cars on. Yeah, Maybe. I think
0: when if you're towing with a full-size pickup, the most I've seen is three. Oh. Yeah, three cars on it. Okay, so More then- More commonly c- two. But it's the gooseneck, and it's kind of at an angle, and you can pull three cars on it. I don't think you can do five. That sounds like a lot. But you got to think, like, so when you're towing, when I, my only, uh, my only experience in somewhat serious towing was picking up cars from the port, mm-hmm. four-hour drive down to South Texas from the DFW area here, and- towing a U-haul one of those little aluminum U-haul lightweight car carriers right It's not going to carry a truck or anything big it'll carry a Nissan skyline just fine. <laughs> and so um, the trailer alone weighs I think those trailers weigh 12 to 1500 pounds okay so then you put a 34-ish 100 pound car on it and so now you're you're knocking at 5,000 maybe a little over 5,000 pounds. Um, <clears throat> that's noticeable behind my Tacoma. Uh,
1: But I, yeah, okay.
0: So, and that's my point, like, you say 35,000 pounds, it sounds like a lot, but by juxtaposition, 5,000 pounds sounds like, oh, you won't even know it's back there. But you do know it's back there, right? So,
1: I guess the question is, like I get it, if you're you're a professional grade, you're doing like heavy duty towing, like a lot of the time.
0: That's the only reason Mm -hmm. you'd buy one of those. Okay you know those guys that have those big uh mobile home not mobile home but those big like, like travel Air streams or like the airstreams or the big winnebago's or whatever that you tow behind that are yeah. really nice and like the sides slide out and there's like three bedrooms and a and a indoor pool and whatever <laughs> else they have in those things those things are heavy man yeah those are heavy and okay. you see those fairly regularly i see them you know every now and then on the road those big boys and you need a Serious truck to pull it and also to stop it once it's moving. You get one of those suckers moving at 70 miles an hour on the highway. You're not. It it takes a lot of it takes a lot of truck to stop one of those as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of considerations. And I and I think what really opened my eyes was just towing a small coupe like a Skyline with my Tacoma, 6,800 pound towing capacity. Probably was towing about 5,000 pounds and man, it was working. It was working in Texas where it's flat. So mm. it was my truck was shifting all over the place like there's oh, no kidding. you got to put the, the transmission in power mode. they tell you in the user manual to put it in manual uh, mode to transmission in fourth gear. It's a six speed transmission. They tell you to leave it in fourth gear. Oh wow. And so I didn't do that. I just put the transmission in in power mode. It's relatively flat. So the truck stayed on its own in around fifth gear. Um, but there were times with a slight uphill, it would kick down into third and just stay in third. Oh, yeah. By contrast, we went down and picked up a Skyline with my buddy um, JT. He has a Titan, uh, full-size Nissan Titan pickup, mm. and he had he towed a Skyline back with me, and you didn't even know it was there. It was really? like it was like just driving the truck. Yeah. Oh, no so no it kidding. does the the size of the truck when you get to towing big stuff definitely makes a difference. And so so let's
1: talk a couple of things to. <clears throat> kind of educate me and probably educate some people that are listening <clears throat> what's the difference between towing capacity and payload capacity because there's a those numbers are pretty far apart from each other yeah
0: payload capacity is what you can put in the bed of the truck okay so towing is what it can pull because when you're when you're um, pulling it obviously the majority of the weight of what you're towing is on the trailer a lot of it is on the um, the hitch or the you know if you're using a gooseneck, I guess the, the bed of the truck technically. But um, yeah, towing is like the mass that you're pulling back and forth versus what you're having to keep elevated off the ground, which is the payload.
1: Okay, yeah. so if I have like 37,000 pounds worth of towing capacity, I know if I hit 36, I'm putting strain on the car. If I'm towing like 25, like wh- how how does that kind of is this kind of like the speed barrier where you're like to go from a hundred to one hundred and fifty or two hundred and fifty uh, to go from like two hundred to two hundred and fifty is exponentially harder than going from like one hundred to one fifty. you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it like that with towing or is it kind of like just a like a steady incline of stress on the components?
0: I don't know. I don't know if it's about stress as much as it is about just engineering the vehicle to be able to handle it, right? Okay. Like I don't think that you need to worry the difference between I mean, I guess I guess the closer you get to the limits, the more noticeable the, the difference in what you're doing. So like, for example, if you've got a 37,000 pound towing capacity or whatever that Ford has, if you're towing 1,000 pounds, or let's say if you're towing, towing 5,000 pounds or 10,000 pounds, You've doubled the towing, but you're not going to tell the difference on a vehicle like that. Okay. But if you double it from 10,000 to 20,000, you're probably going to notice the difference. You yeah. know what I mean?
1: Because I was looking at, so once we started looking at that, I was looking at, because we're looking for an SUV for Nita. I was like, well, okay, q Q7 TDI, the diesel, um, can tow around 7,000 pounds. And I was like, well, that's actually pretty good for me as a car guy. You know, if I was going to start um, bringing JVM yeah. cars in, pulling
0: M3 to the track or something like that, we're yeah, good. yeah,
1: a Prado, I don't know.
0: No, so yeah, you you, know, you mentioned like, you thought maybe I towed that Prado we'll home by, with the Tacoma,
1: and I had no idea there's, until you told me.
0: Yeah, there's yeah. no way because that I don't want to even guess what that thing weighed. I mean, let's let's say it weighed forty five hundred pounds, probably. Just get a complete guess, but couldn't be too far off. Um, and then the tra- I, I would have had to get a bigger trailer, so the trailer would have been 2,000 pounds, maybe a little more. So we're at my limit at that point.
1: So what happens when you're at the limit? I mean, I like, I'm thinking the motor can probably handle it, yeah, right? Dude, there's it's guys on the like, Tacoma what Facebook
0: pages and whatnot. There's guys that show all manner of way too heavy loads hooked up to their truck. And they're bragging about how, Oh, I, I towed this for, you know, halfway across the country and had no problems. First of all, you had problems. I, <laughs> I, I towed, a towed, uh, 1500 pound, uh, Alto works behind my truck. And I knew it was there. You know what I mean? Like, it was much easier than the Skyline, which weighs 2,000 pounds more. But, um, but you still, it's noticeable. So there's no way that your whatever camper that you said has a 5,000 pound dry weight, but it was fully loaded. There's no way. And in the picture, like the truck is completely squatted down in the back, and it okay. looks like it's about to like break in half. So the truck's um, crying. I don't even. I got off on a tangent. I don't even remember what the the point of the question was. Oh
1: no! Like, what are you? Stra- <laughs> what are you straining? Freaking Tacoma
0: World! Get over yourself.
1: <laughs> Solid front axle, everybody. No, now, um, the I w- was wondering, like, once you're approaching the the tow rating or the capacity, what are you stressing? Because to me, from a motor perspective, oh yeah, you know, you I'm thinking maybe transmission. You're, maybe you're doing once that
0: you hard. get to the closer to the um, limit. First of all, you're just stressing yourself in general because it's scary to drive. Okay. Yeah. So I think really it's you in terms of Tell me mechanical what... components you're generating a lot of heat in the transmission because the transmission's having to like mechanically convey all of the torque the engine is putting to pull that heavy and whatever like it is and it's constant i think you know one of the reasons why toyota tells you to put the transmission in fourth is because they want your RPMs to stay up above where the torque converter locks up. Because if you're pulling a heavy load, but you're at the barrier where the torque converter is kind of going in and out of lock, you're going to generate so much heat in the transmission um, that you can cause premature wear and tear there. Part of the towing package on a Tacoma is actually a transmission cooler. Mm. So that's how, I mean, if you want to know other than that, the telltale sign of a tow hitch, if you wanna see if the Tacoma has the towing package, you'll see an additional uh, transmission cooler.
1: So when you say it's scary to drive, walk me through that, because yeah. I don't know what that looks like.
0: Everything, everything's different in terms of um, like changing direction. So accelerating is harder to do, uh, obviously, you got a lot more weight. Mm-hmm. De- braking can be um, can be scary if especially if you don't have experience towing um, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is just driving your truck like you normally drive it in terms then, of what in terms of spacing how much speed you carry into a, a curve even a gentle curve or mm-hmm. you know medium curve but not only that like when the dude in front of you panic breaks and then you try to do the same and realize crap i forgot i have a trailer behind me and i can't stop in time the, and that never happened to me but i did have a um a moment where i ha- was a little bit scared where um we were just arriving back into dallas had a skyline on the trailer behind the tacoma and it was kind of starting to drizzle so the ro- it was that time when oh, the roads God. are most slick and i i got to i got back to dallas at rush hour and um at one point i wasn't even going fast but at one point the trailer brakes locked up and I felt the trailer start to drift, and it's oh, weird. Wow. It's a weird sensation you're not used to driving. <clears> but <throat> I felt that I could feel, without hearing or seeing anything, I could feel the trailer brakes lock up and the trailer start to kind of pull to the side a little bit. Huh. Um, and fortunately, we were only going maybe 20 miles an hour because it was stop-and-go traffic, so nothing happened. But it was a gentle yeah. reminder yeah. that um, yeah, it's there. Th- that it's there, and you ne- you can't you're in you're in stop-and-go traffic but you can't do the thing where you're staying close to the person in front of you, so nobody cuts in front of you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I normally do, um, because if something happens, you just won't be able to stop. So I think that it's stressful because everything just takes a little bit longer. Plus, if you think about it, and it's something you don't even really think about, but it makes sense, the trailer's wide. It's wider than a car, because the car has to fit on it and then have room for the sides and the fenders and the trailer wheels. So a trailer takes up almost the full lane on a highway. You don't have a whole lot of room, wiggle room to drift in your lane without dropping two wheels either onto the shoulder or into the lane next to you. So just mm-hmm. the the amount of focus it takes like to drive 4 hours. Yeah. For the first couple times I towed, like that was it took me some getting used to like my trailer has to stay in my lane and it's the width of my lane. So and you're
1: focusing the whole time.
0: Yeah. So you're constantly checking your mirrors. Am I, st- am I in the lane? Eventually you just realize, you know what? They'll get out of my way. I don't have to care so much.
1: <laughs> Welcome to 18 wheeler land. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, get out of the way.
0: <laughs> I got mad respect for those guys, man. I used to like get mad at them all the time. And like, it sounds stupid. Cause I have, n- I still have no concept of how hard it is to drive one of those things and how like all the complications Involved in just changing lanes, like it has yeah. to be a nightmare for those guys.
1: Like I'm sensitive to them now in the sense of, I'm thinking of just, I, I usually think about um, two things when it comes to towing, and I wasn't even thinking about braking and just maneuvering, but more like accelerating and then maintaining speed. Like how much money and gas you lose if an 18-wheeler has to slow down to 20 and then accelerate yeah, again. Yeah, if you cut
0: one of those guys off. Yeah, for me, so like gas mileage on my Tacoma, it gets about 16.5 average combined right now, miles per gallon. When I'm towing, it gets about 11, half maybe, just like straight highway miles. Yeah. So, yeah, gas mileage is, as you can imagine, goes completely down the toilet. But um, also, yeah, those, those 18 wheelers, if you've got to, if they've got to slow down because somebody cut them off and then speed forever. back up, it takes forever. and it's probably like every time somebody <clears throat> cuts them off, it's probably like ten dollars worth of diesel. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and that's why like for, for you guys that are driving, and if an 18 wheeler slowly cuts you off, I don't know if you've had that happen before, where they just kind of signal and they're like, I'm, I'm coming. moving over. Yeah. yeah. And you know, if you look ahead of that guy, uh, a few cars up, you're probably going to notice that a slowdown is coming and he's trying to get away from having to stop yeah. and reaccelerate. So he's not just Or he
0: in- just knows that he can't stop in time. Yeah, that yeah. could
1: be it too. And I feel like those are things that I don't realize because I've never towed a car before yeah. or I've never had a payload behind me or, yeah. you know, I have to tow something behind me. And once you realize that, you get a lot less frustrated with the truck driver and you're more likely to just let him in because yeah. it's better for everybody. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah, so pro tip for you guys that are driving in traffic. It, you know, as long as the truck driver's being semi-nice to you, just know that he probably sees way further than you do, and he's trying to make moves so he doesn't block traffic overall.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, th- um, 37,000 pounds is is generous, though. There's a lot you could do with that. Yeah. There's a lot of JDM cars you can pull up from <laughs> South Texas.
1: <laughs> what did they call that thing, the, the something runners, the hot, hot gun runners? What It was like... Um, like people that do the short Johnson, like an F 350, and they get paid so much for them. Hot I don't shot know. trucking. Hot shot trucking. Have you okay. heard of that? No. They actually, I think they have like YouTube channels on it now. Nice. So basically, what it is, is people that have a rig, um, but it's not like a full on pro rig. It's like an F 350 or something with a gooseneck or something on the back. And they talk about like runs that they do and how much they make. And all so and they're just like truck, it. like. Uh,
0: hauling stuff for hire like one off like whatever you need i'll throw it on my trailer and i'll get it there
1: and it's almost like i mean i don't want to say it's uber but it's mostly like short-term gigs like i need to get it delivered now so get in your truck and come down and get it nice yeah that's kind
0: of cool yeah
1: so um well okay so it's nice to know that thirty seven thousand pounds can actually be used and it's not just a marketing gimmick
0: no i don't think it is i think when you get into that that level of truck when you, I mean, if you've got four tires on the back, you're in a different category, <laughs> well, right? And like, and if it's, you're
1: not towing, you shouldn't have that truck, right? I mean, cause I, and I didn't learn this until recently. Cause I like the look of a dually. I'm sure. Like, yeah. This is boss, right? Sure. But then, um, I read that the ride quality is horrible on it because of what it needs. Oh, to I'm be sure to those do.
0: rear springs are so stiff because of this $8,000, $8,000 pound, Not European pounds or British pounds, but not pounds (laughs) sterling. But the the payload is so high that they need stiff springs because if you put that amount of weight in there, it needs to be sprung. So, yeah, I can imagine they probably ride really, really harsh when they're just empty. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, there's no need to have one of those unless you're planning on towing something.
1: So as a car enthusiast, and we'll wrap it up with this, as a car enthusiast, if I'm looking for a decent truck or SUV, That'll kind of serve my needs as a car enthusiast. Like if I'm just a look for home duty, you can just get a crossover and tow whatever. You can tow the mulch with that. But if I'm a car enthusiast, I've got you know cars that I want to tow to the track or maybe some of the stuff that you do. Like what should I look for?
0: I would like, just do a nice midsize or a or a modest full size pickup. So okay. like an F one fifty, or yeah. or a Tacoma or a Tundra, like. If you were doing towing all the time, like during race season you're going, you know, twice maybe three times a month to the track, have your own car trailer, I would get something full size. I'd get a Tundra, I'd get an F150. You could get by
1: with a Tundra. You don't have to go like crazy with it. No. Okay. No, I
0: would not do a Tacoma. Like if I my Tacoma's great for the three or four cars I do every now and then up and down from South Texas, um, it does the trick. I don't need something bigger. But if I was doing that once a month, I would want something bigger. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But then I wouldn't be able to do my fun (laughs) (laughs) off-roading. And that's really why I have the Tacoma. It's because if I had a full-size truck, even a Raptor, going where we go off-road through the trails and over the rocks, I would just not be able to do it. It would be too big.
1: And that's one of the things I noticed because when when we were talking about kind of the overlanding stuff and the off-roading stuff, I don't see full-size vehicles there. And I was thinking, well, it could be because of tight spaces. Yeah. Is that really the reason? Because otherwise it it's capable. Me for me it is.
0: Care. And long wheelbase is no good off-road. You get your uh-huh. high center on stuff way easier. You want as short a wheelbase as possible, which is why I was looking at the Jimny. I wanted to import a Jimny yeah. for off-roading. But uh, but yeah, short wheelbase is good. Um, narrow track width is good.
1: Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, pro tip for all of you guys. Hopefully that, that's helpful to you. Let's talk a little bit about educating people on buying Supras and aviators.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, recalls. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of the highlight of my week was reading a headline that went something like, BMW recalls the Toyota Supra because that's the world we live you, in now.
1: you're sipping on that Supra hatery.
0: <clears throat> I'm not. I love the Supra. <laughs> <laughs> right. I like I like the car for what it is. I still don't like that it's called Supra, but I'll get over that. It's an amazing car. I think we talked about it on mm-hmm. a recent podcast about how it's making crazy power with just modest bolt-ons, which is very much in the in the um the same spirit as the Mark IV Supra. But apparently um BMW BMW messed up on a few of them. And so BMW issued a recall because they have to, because they make the car. Yeah. And it uh it affected as a percentage of the total supras that have been manufactured to date. I can't imagine how infinitesimally small this number is but it was seven total cars
1: and it made all the headlines it made of course it made mm-hmm. all the headlines
0: I mean it's you know clickbait super's the clickbait right? it now. was
1: a very bmw problem though that is not a problem you really hear about with Toyotas at least the ones that I've read um, it's like dumb stuff you know it's and this kind of comes back to so BMW guys know and this is to an extent true for any car more so with German cars like don't buy the first model year run like yeah there's just I can see
0: though I can see why people would buy the first model year run of the new Supra like that's the type of car you do buy the first model year run of I think so I think if you're if you're an early adopter even if it applies to cars you you are buying early adopters are doing so because of the hype they want to be the first and so if you're getting some dudes sloppy second Supra on the used market you're just, it's just, there's something a little bit n- not as uh, premier as mm. being one of the guys who pre ordered it or who got a launch edition or whatever, right? Like, or if you're a YouTuber, obviously you need mad. Yeah, content. I feel
1: like if you're a YouTuber or if you're a tuner, go for it. Cause you're gonna, you're gonna push the limits of the car. You're probably gonna find those issues anyway. You're gonna fix them. Yeah. You're gonna sell a kit for it. You're gonna do something. I just, it it kind of runs along with the Aviator too. It's like, I love the way that car looks. And I feel like I would like to buy one someday. But I learned this with the, even the Lexus that we bought for my wife. It was the first year, first model year of that generation. It's been a great car, but it acts like a BMW a little bit. Like these little niggles that just keep going wrong. And once it's out of warranty, it's like, well okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to spend it.
0: You know, come to think of it, my, my Tacoma is a first model year. So the, third, the third gen Tacoma um, is really very, very similar to the second gen. As a matter of fact, the entire cab is identical. The doors are identical. The um, The roof is identical. Like it's literally a second gen Tacoma with different bodywork and a different driveline. So, and Toyota did that with the Tundra too. The Tundra is, has not changed in like 15 years. They just they just iterate yeah okay so but um that having been said it's still a new it was the first model year of the new 3.5 liter engine which is like an ottinger cycle high compression direct injection kind of v6 um and i don't know i didn't think about it at the time because it was a year old when i got it there were a couple recalls nothing major but yeah i think the the point remains like if if you're a patient person and if you're not somebody who needs the attention that comes with being an early adopter never buy the first model year. Yeah. So, because then you might be one of the seven who has to return their super because of bad welds on a seatbelt <laughs> seat loop thing, which is really weird because I would think a bad weld, I've watched enough B is for build on YouTube to know that a bad weld, you get in there, clean it up, and reweld it and about. fix it. Yeah.
1: So what are they doing?
0: They are replacing the whole car that's nuts. So if you're one of these seven lucky people who bought a launch edition or early Supra or whatever Supra that it, it, was, listen, I want to know how they knew that there are seven cars with maybe bad welds. Yeah. Like, did somebody break their seatbelt off putting it on or something? And then they were like, in ge- some guy in Amsterdam or wherever wherever they make these things in Germany. Amsterdam's not in Germany. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> Geography was not my strong suit. I did catch myself, though. Um Wherever they make these things in Germany, was there some German guy who was like, oh, man, you know, ah, you caught me. Yeah. There were seven of them, and yeah. I was out of whatever, and I didn't do the thing right. And so, you know, there's probably six other guys whose car is going to break. Or did they just, like, were they looking at some quality control logs on their computer, and the computer was like, oh, by the way, recall these seven VINs. I- yeah.
1: Yeah. And the fact that it kind of came out as a recall, I would have done it under the radar and just been like, "Hey, just bring it's a car seven in. People, It's seven
0: people just call I them know. on the phone and be like, "Hey, buddy, you know what? <laughs> you just want a new car." <laughs> um, yeah. No, that's actually really true. I wonder why they had to issue maybe a It's a rules thing, public recall. If anybody listening knows the why they had to, why they couldn't just like personally replace these cars. Yeah. Send us an email at gmail.com. I'm thing? super curious about that.
1: Maybe it's like if they called one of those seven people and those seven people called the news outlet and said something, then they'd be behind the eight ball.
0: What are they going hey, the to say? Uh, hey, BMW cars. called me. They mm-hmm. offered to give me a brand new car because there might be something really small wrong with the one I have now. Yeah. That's that's good press.
1: Yeah. First of all, BMW called me on my Toyota. <laughs> that ain't right. That ain't wrong. I mean, that but, that's
0: just... <laughs> How we live now i think that i was reading about how aston martin might be sourcing engines for something from bmw next and
1: mm-hmm. I, I, it was i think was it bmw or mercedes maybe it was mercedes i, think was mercedes. I don't know it's yeah. just like you know and, and whatever like subaru toyota doing their thing i heard mazda and toyota are starting to team up on something yeah i don't know if it's evs it might be evs mazda they've got to i mean you know that's
0: a really good point i think that the platform sharing I think that the the move to electric and hybrid and performance hybrid is gonna force a lot of these companies to platform share yeah. because why reinvent the wheel if Tesla's perfected it why shouldn't Ford say hey Tesla let's let's partner not that Tesla ever would because they wouldn't but. Just as an example, like why wouldn't Ford go to Mazda and say, "Hey, Mazda, your your EV technology is cool. Let's license it, and then we'll help you continue R and D with all of our massive R and D resources." Yeah,
1: and oh, by the way, can you tell us how to keep a car from not rolling? Uh, That'd be great. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
0: and that's the segue. Well played. (laughs) Over to our uh, our other recall we were going to talk about, which was the Aviator slash. Expedition, Explorer. Explorer. I think those
1: are, those are built on the same platform. Okay. if I'm not mistaken. So the
0: Aviator and Explorer have some problems.
1: Man, it's a look. It comes back to that first year thing. Sure. You know, when they first started, they showed the car, and the second I saw that car, I was thinking that's probably the most beautiful SUV I've ever seen. But I'm not gonna buy that <laughs> for a while. And the reason was because I'm like I just expect it more from companies like Ford, um, which owns Lincoln and GM products, and then I and European products. It's not just an American thing. That first two or three years, you're just gonna have stuff go wrong. And true to form, they just you started hearing news, and it wasn't just small stuff. There's some big stuff with that car that. You're going to want to know about and it just kind of lends itself to, yeah, okay, you can buy for the hype and you can be the first guy on the block. Just know it's going to be a lot like buying software when it first comes out is you're going to have to be the beta tester for some of the things that, you know, they all have timelines like we have timelines. So not every I gets dotted and not every T gets crossed and you're going to be the one that's going to be their QA tester to a certain extent.
0: It is to a certain extent. I think that that's just the world we live in now, right? Like there's no I would imagine back in the I don't know, 70s, 60s when uh the heyday of muscle car and pony car era, I would imagine that things were well, definitely simpler, but also a little bit more ready for showtime because of the lack of complexity and and there's not as much testing required back then you on. didn't
1: have shareholder pressure you didn't yeah I mean, you know
0: so um so i think that now we live in an era where there's like a minimum viable product get that qa get that kind of out the door and then we'll deal with any issues as they arise
1: yeah. they they and my hunch is if it runs like other companies they say okay what's the risk reward yeah for, of going ahead and releasing it with this issue and if they think the risk is worth it, they're going to do it, and then you're going to be the one that finds out that they made that decision.
0: Yeah, you for know? sure. Well, uh, the the thing that to me was kind of funny was when I was reading about the recalls, was um, that it one of the issues was not a like a malfunction, it was that the car may have been left in factory mode, which yeah. means that certain safety features are disabled. Yeah. So they they basically released a bunch of cars in like, I don't know, safe mode? I mean, what do you want to call it? Like the equivalent for a phone or a computer is like if you've booted up in safe mode, it disables a lot of the features so that they released cars in factory mode. They made it to the dealer, they made it through the test drives, they made it through delivery, they made it into somebody's garage, and nobody noticed. That the, the, like the features don't work. When I put the car in drive, it doesn't tell me that it's actually in drive or park. Like that's one of the features of factory mode. Is it disables the display that tells you what gear the vehicle's in, yeah. which is part of the problem. Yeah. And and along with other things. So and, t-
1: and to be fair, if you're a dealer, um, you probably don't have the capacity to like test every car for every functionality. But that is on I don't the- know. They don't
0: they don't do a pre delivery inspection on every car. Well, I would I mean, imagine they do. Just because you
1: pay for it doesn't mean they do. It. <laughs> You know, so it, it's, it's just, it is interesting that all the way down the chain, nobody's.
0: It's crazy. Yeah.
1: But, you know, it, it comes to, you're packing so much tech into the cars now. It is. It's not, it is a lot more to me like software. You're buying a software package that happens to move because everything in there is electronically controlled. Sure. Now. You don't have mechanical shift knobs anymore. Right. Um, you know, you have laser-guided systems for everything. You yep. have sensors everywhere. Yep. You have, I mean, you know, the throttle is electronically actuated. Your steering is electron. Everything is electric now. Yeah. And so, you know, there's upshots to that, but there's also this side of, okay, just know that your this car is a lot more like a software package than it is um, a mechanical um, piece of hardware that you can. Yeah,
0: maneuver. The the and the upside to that is I guess that they can push updates, software yeah. updates. I know Wish Tesla to, does it yeah. over the air all right. the time. You get an update right. like, what, every week? I don't know. It's a lot. And then, um, you know, for <laughs> for uh, for those of us that don't have those like 3G-enabled, 4G-enabled vehicles, you can go to the dealer and they'll reflash transmission ECU, the main engine ECU, all sorts of updates. I, I'm really waiting for that update from Toyota to put CarPlay in my Tacoma. But
1: Oh, that's a... That's planned to be just an update. No, they've
0: the 2020 Tacomas come with Apple CarPlay and mine doesn't. And yeah. I just I feel like it probably should just be a software thing. I can't imagine it's a hardware thing, but maybe I have a feeling they're wrong.
1: not going to do that because of licensing cost.
0: Also, because <clears> they want <throat> me to buy a 2020 Tacoma
1: or that you might find a bad weld. Why don't you find a bad weld?
0: <laughs> no, because mine's not a BMW. <laughs> um, <laughs> well played, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's part of the benefit, but part of the part of the detriment is that a lot of the vehicle still is mechanical. And mm-hmm. so if they're, if they're following that philosophy of we'll deal with it after we've shipped, some of the updates aren't as easy as just bring it in, we'll plug in our computer, yeah. f- reflash it, and send you on your way. Some of the updates are we've got to replace your entire vehicle because we didn't weld the seatbelts in properly. Right. And right. that's a hassle.
1: It's a hassle. But you know, for Toyota, it's like a seven-car hassle which they're like, eh, we'll take that hit, and we'll live to see another day. It's not going to be a big deal. Where it goes wrong is stuff like VW. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Where you're talking about, okay, we're going to try to sneak this by the system. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you look at the, the population of TDI cars, it's a lot larger than a Supra, but it's small compared to what their population of cars is, their portfolio of cars is overall, and they roll right. the dice on something, um, and it bit them hard, yeah. probably harder than they
0: thought it would. Sure. I mean, um, they were they were buying back cars that had 150,000 miles on them.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they were giving, I mean, the prices that buyers were getting for those cars were ridiculous. Yeah. Now, the upside to that, and it's I It's called just, hush money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, you know, the upside to that, too, is I just helped a friend of mine get into a Q7 TDI that had to go through that recall process, or what do you call it? the retrofit process. Right. To make it work and um you know if you never drove the, if you never lived with a TDI before the retrofit and then you drove it after you're still going to be happy. I mean like, I mean it gets you good mileage, it's got sure. great torque. It's yeah. this that, and the other and you know you'll have to work out a few niggles cuz the car was sitting for yeah. that long. Um but overall it's still a stout package, but you know from a company perspective those guys are still paying the price. Oh yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, first model years, just be careful. I mean, if it's going to bite Lexus and your Lexus isn't going to be a Lexus the first model year, then how much more a Lincoln or <laughs> yeah, you know, another, another European make or something yeah. like that, where they they really just push the envelope when it comes to tech versus reliability.
0: So, so. what's your prediction on the next BMW super recall?
1: I'm, if, if patterns hold true, uh, you're going to find either something with the cooling system, you're going to find something with, uh, <laughs> every M car, which I don't think this will happen with this one, but every naturally aspirated M car has had rod bearing issues. And, um, you'll find stuff with, you know, with their DCTs or the SMGs. Um, they had problems DCTs are better. So I, my bet, if I if it's really a if it's really a BMW, you'll find something with cooling turbos, fuel pumps. It, it's like ancillary stuff that um, it won't break the motor, but it's not insignificant. Right. You know, I don't think you'll see rod bearings because they're not stressing the motors the same way. It's not a high-level. well, and level. it's not a
0: new motor either.
1: It's not, and yeah. it's actually a revision of of their like two thousand seven, two thousand eight vintage yeah. three three five liter, but. Yeah um it still is you know the thing that worries me about this trend towards turbocharged cars is i I don't care how you know modern they are i don't see anything in place that um accounts for people taking care of their turbos you know like the old school turbos we drive you gotta warm them up you gotta cool them down you gotta do this that and the other and that's more thermodynamics than it is like quality of materials this that and the other right or am i it mistaken is. i mean i that? think
0: so yeah back in the day with our you know early 90s turbo cars it was the whole you know don't stomp on it and go full boost until the engine's fully warmed up and the, the, really the oil temperature is up to yeah. temperature oil temperature is what you're concerned don't about. shut the car off after you were just hooning at 140 miles you're an hour carbon for, buildup yeah you know, it, the, kind of the oil coking and the bearings i think really with more modern turbo systems some of that is less of a concern. It's still a concern, right? You still should, I mean, any car, you shouldn't just turn it on first thing in the morning and then floor it flat out, right? You should let it warm up a little bit. Um, the whole letting the turbo cool down is probably still a thing, especially if you're doing something like track driving or you're out street racing or something where you're really, you know, you pop the hood and it's glowing red, that type of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Let it cool down a little bit. But I think for the average driver, even if they're driving somewhat spirited, I don't think it's a huge deal. I think that turbo technology is a lot different in a 2019 or 2020 world than it was in a 1991 or 1995 world um bearing technology is different and even the way that i remember when i had my subaru there was something about um how the uh the the coolant would still flow even after you shut shut the engine off um, because of the way that it would enter the turbo heat up that would cause it to move Downstream, which would suck more cold coolant in, and it would kind of continue to circ, like the just like you mentioned, it's thermodynamics. Like a yeah, the, the thermodynamics would kind of keep some coolant flowing through the turbo by design to keep it from coking that oil in It'll the kind bearings. Of gradually cool down. So, and, and I don't know how much of that's true or how much of it's me just remembering things wrong because it's been a while since I've owned a Subaru. But um, I just I think the technology is better. And honestly, for somebody like me, if I blow my stock turbo, good. <laughs> <laughs> Time to upgrade. <laughs> well, that's
1: what I was wondering. Like for those people that are going out and shopping for these cars that are used now and have a hundred thousand miles on them, hundred ten thousand miles on them, you know, is the risk greater? Because you're not talking about a normally aspirated motor that just gets the oil changed every three thousand miles, and you're probably not revving it to its capacity. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah um i think i
0: think it's really do your due diligence no matter what kind of car you're buying know who owned it um look for the warning signs like it's not all that hard to pull the intake tube off the turbo and then feel for shaft play like anybody can reach in there and see if the shaft has too much play in it
1: that's what she said
0: (laughs) i knew it i knew it i can't trust you lance uh can't have a grown-up conversation about (laughs) car stuff it's funny my wife and i have a joke every time i'm watching wheeler dealers or one of those car fix-up shows she just rolls her eyes because everything that the mechanic's talking about like first you need to to lubricate you need to lubricate the bushing before you press it in and uh, yeah everything is that's what she said yep yep um so anyway back to the grown-up version of (laughs) launch control podcast yeah do your due diligence and just you know you need to check it out You're any used car you're rolling the dice you know what i mean yeah and even even a Honda Accord could have been completely driven, and they didn't change the oil for twenty thousand yeah. miles. And sometimes you might not even know. So, yeah.
1: and I'm starting to think, well, I'm starting to see more and more. There, there's people that don't take care of their cars. It used to be kind of a pride of ownership no, thing. No, it's an
0: apply, It's a disposable appliance these yeah. days. it's kind of a shame. It's kind
1: of a lease mentality now, and people don't. For want to sure, well.
0: for okay. sure, yeah.
1: So yeah, be careful when you do it. Do your, you know, there's companies out there and I used one. Um do your pre-purchase inspections. There's guys that will do it mobile now, so they can go out wherever you need to go. Just and you're not guaranteeing anything, you're just minimizing the chances. And it's worth a couple hundred bucks to minimize your chances. Yep. Did we uh we might have been we talking longer it. than we thought.
0: We killed it. <laughs> we so there's a topic that we've been dying to talk about on the last couple of episodes, and we keep running out of time.
1: Yeah. That's all right. We'll talk about it next time.
0: We'll talk about it next time. We're going to talk about some cool cars that Lance had a chance to drive. Yeah. That make me jealous. <laughs> so we'll talk about <laughs> that. That make all that. of us jealous because yeah. I
1: didn't get to drive one home.
0: Hey, we should do a, uh, We you should drive my R35 before we talk about those other cars. And then we can, you oh, can just yeah, review that at cool. the same time.
1: Yeah, That'd be cool. Yeah. We'll do
0: that. It's about to be turbo weather. It is. What are you doing oh, this weekend?
1: Man. Um, That's a good question. We'll find out.
0: Might have to do it this weekend because I've got car, like not car stuff, I've got family stuff with the kids and whatnot, but there's time in there like I could Dude, break away for a couple hours.
1: We were going to go to that Spocom car show.
0: Spocom, everybody, this weekend. Yeah. Or three weekends ago (laughs) as you're listening to our podcast
1: hey for those of y'all who are listening now uh it happened
0: we were gonna go to that i don't know if i can now what uh what's the what are the details on that
1: uh it's at market hall yep and it's on saturday yeah i have it just from eight to five just because i blocked out gotcha um but if i've got
0: i've got i've got kids uh football games in the morning okay and
1: then when do you when do you quit that Cause then Um, we could go for a drive if you want to.
0: Let's do it. Let's do a
1: Saturday afternoon drive Dude, That can be a thing. So I, I've just got to be home by dinner so we can go for a drive. Yeah. I've got stuff
0: in the evening too, in the neighborhood. We've got a fall festival at like five. Oh yeah.
1: Well I've got more stuff in the
0: evening. I've got, I've got, we're going to have celebrities. (laughs) um, We're filming it. You don't know this, but top gear is actually going to come back and do a revival and they're filming that there. And so, um, yeah, Uh, well (laughs) I'm going to have a
1: new super at mine. With the right spot weld, with
0: the, um, it's not nearly that fa- fancy. It's gonna be probably like a bounce house and some like frozen shaved ice. Yeah, and and music playing, and that's about it.
1: No, dude, it's good. We can go out, and I think for you guys that are listening, this is the time to go driving. Once the temperatures cool down, your car lives it. Yes, Tur- go for it. Go drive weather. them. Go enjoy it. Whatever you got, go enjoy it.
0: Do it. Awesome. And thanks for listening. As usual, find us on social media at Launch Control Cars. Everywhere you post and read posts and like posts. Like our posts at Launch Control Cars. Like Lance at Inside the Rim. Did you change it? Or do you have another account?
1: Oh, I have a personal
0: account. Okay. You know, we won't tease Lance's personal account. I just found it somehow. I don't, You liked something of mine, maybe. Um, so yeah, Lance is at Inside the Rim. I am at Gallo24GTR. And... That's that. Thanks for listening.
1: All right, guys. Later. See yeah. you.